Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Are you okay? Well, it's Saturday and I've had a whole week of both children being at school. Wonderful. We lasted a total of 24 hours before a PCR test had to be done. Um, because somebody had come in contact with somebody else who tested positive. So that was great. Uh, so yes, 24 hours I lasted. In fact, it was less than that. But anyway, it, it all was fine, negative, lovely. But I just thought, oh, yes, time is fleeting, <laughs> isn't it? When it's nice and quiet and calm. Um, but no, all is well. Uh, I am definitely healing. Thanks for all your messages of concern. It's very kind of you. Yes, face is definitely healing. I've got some patches, though, that still look a bit strange. So I decided I was going to go down the fake tan route. thought this is the way. Let's just, instead of these splotches of different colours where all the burns are, let's just look bronzed. Um, and so it seems things have moved on in the fake tan department since I last acquired any. And I came across them that I thought sounded very intriguing and they're drops. So instead of choosing something that's like a creamy, moisturisy thing that might not work with my skin, um, you just use your normal moisturiser and whack these drops in. I thought that sounds like a great idea. So uh, because my skin is a sensitive soul like me, I can use my moisturiser, whack these drops in super. So it arrived and I did read the instructions and the instructions said um, between one and 12 drops. I went for medium colour. I didn't go for the dark. I thought, no, let's just do this gradually. It went for medium between one and 12 drops. Lovely. Well, I thought, yeah, OK, I, I want to notice the difference. So I put in 12 drops. In fact, there was more drops than moisturiser. It was like me trying to make a cheese sauce and trying to beat all the lumps and mix it in together. Not good. Anyway, so I put it on um, and uh, woke up this morning and, well, I look like a map of the world. There are so many, there's a myriad of colours on my face. It looks 10 times worse than it did before I put the fake tan on. So I'm in hiding at the moment. So you won't see me until I've managed to get it off. So far, it's not coming off. Normally with a bit of fake tan, well, I seem to remember, you could use a bit of, I don't know, something clean, whatever. And, and it starts coming off this. No, 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 no. It's always the way, isn't it? The one that looks the worst. 
uh, stays put for quite some time. But there we go. Hopefully we've got some books that will stay with you for quite some time. Did you like that link there? But before we do that, I have huge, huge, huge thank yous. And as I'm saying huge, my arms are going round because I'm so very grateful. I need to thank, now I know these aren't your full names, but these are the names that you have uh, saved as Apple iTunes. Mandolin, for your lovely, lovely review. Thank you so much. My favourite podcast they've written. Um, excellent podcast. Look forward to Monday when this podcast is released. How nice is that? And then to Lorsky, who's in um, uh, US, my favourite book reviewer. Um, I listen to Philippa's book reviews and feel like I'm visiting with a friend. Isn't that lovely? And then also um, Squirrel Hill, who's in the United States as well. My go-to walk listen. Um, I thank the day this book junkie found this podcast. How lovely is that? So thank you, all three of you. Manda Lim in, the, in Great Britain, Lorsky in USA, and Squirrel Hill Gal, I should say. Squirrel Hill Gal in USA. Thank you so much. Honestly, it does make such a difference, these reviews that you do on Apple iTunes, and I am forever grateful. I know we don't all have the time, but I am forever grateful that those that have the time. Thank you very, very much. So now, let let me tell you what books we've got coming up today. But a, a, a different author to the norm, I think, so that's quite intriguing. So the books I'm going to review and talk to you about are Someone I Used to Know by Paige Toon, the Image of Her by Sonia Velton. The Islanders by S.V. Leonard. Leonard? Leonard. Whichever way I've got it wrong, so I apologise. Because Anyway, there we go. Leonard, I'm going to go for that one. And This One Summer by... <laughs> now, here we go. Gillian Tamaki and Mariko Tamaki. There we go. It, the problem was that I couldn't read it because it was upside down. Not that I couldn't actually pronounce that for once. Um, and then also we've got an audiobook review of, and I, now I can't remember the name of the book. Here we go. I thought it was The Girl Who Disappeared. The Night She Disappeared by Lisa Jewell. Um, Yes, it's quite a selection to talk to you about. And let's get started. So Paige Toon, we've got Paige coming on the podcast. How amazing is that? Um, I have heard so much about Paige and never read one of her books before. And I've tried as well to organise the, the photo that I'm going to take of this, put on social media with a range of colours as well, a sort of a lilac and navy blue. Get me with all my colours. So here we go. Uh, so Paige Toon has written Someone I Used to Know, and this is the blurb. At 15, George is the foster brother Leah never asked for, as the angry, troubled boy struggles to come to terms with his circumstances. Leah finds herself getting drawn closer to him. Theo has mysteriously left boarding school and is now at the local state school with Leah and George. When their worlds collide that summer, the three teenagers form a bond they believe will be unbreakable. Shocking news now brings Leah back to Yorkshire, baby daughter in tow, but Emily's father, Theo, isn't with them, and George has unexpectedly returned. After half a lifetime, have they healed the scars of their past? Will coming back home set their hearts in a new direction? Now, let's find the first sentence, because we do like to do our first sentences. Prologue is a very factual first sentence, but I think I have to do the prologue quite a long prologue. Um, sorry about this. I know you're very good putting up with me. I'm going to 
this is what we're going to do. I'm going to read you the first sentence from the prologue and the first sentence from chapter one. See, you, you, you get so much bang for your buck here, don't you? So prologue. The farm is visible as soon as the taxi crests the brow of the hill. And then um, the first sentence from chapter one. You have to sit really quietly, OK? I remind Emily in a whisper. Oh, sorry. You have to sit really quietly, OK? I remind Emily in a whisper. Um, yes, so interesting to read a book like this. And as I say, I've heard so much about Paige and her writing. She is an accomplished author. She's a Sunday Times bestseller. She's written a plethora of books, no less. So let's go and talk to Paige now. So Paige Toon, author of Someone I Used to Know, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Well, had to have you on, definitely. I mean, this book, what gave you the idea for it? Um, this was just one of those ideas that kind of came to me. Um, I was interested in fostering and not, not personally, but I don't think that's something I personally would be very good at. But, um, but I was interested in the idea of, of what it would be like to grow up with your parents if they were if they had fostered yeah and, you know to sort of like spend uh you know your teenage years your childhood growing up in a house full of all of these troubled kids that kind of come and go um and what that would be like and and you know I do like writing a, a forbidden love stories the <laughs> idea of you know a teenager kind of having feelings for someone who comes through you know who, yeah. who stayed in the house you know obviously nothing there could happen but um with the story being told in the two timelines it's not a young adult book as such but you know you do sort of hear about Mia as a 15 year old going through those those different things yeah and, yeah. and it works really well with those two time frames the, the the book is very moving is it quite cathartic to write a book like that yeah I mean I wrote this during during Covid times it was the one term that the kids had gone back to school thankfully so so I did have a bit of space else to be able to do it um but you know I haven't seen my family my my parents in Australia for almost two years so to write that it, it, I was finding that all very emotional anyway and to write such an emotional book with all of the research I had to do about looked after children you know that was incredibly heart-wrenching yeah you know during the research process I discovered that um just how um common it is for siblings to be separated you know and and often with the older children being put into the foster system and um the younger children being put up for adoption so they they sometimes don't even mm. get to say goodbye so I just that topic in itself you know I found incredibly heart you know heartbreaking and wanted to write about that so yeah, I poured my heart and soul into this book. It's definitely, it made me cry a lot. <laughs> well, I was going to say, were you were you crying as you were writing? Because I'm sure yeah, people completely. cry as they read it. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you had reduced to tears at any point in the story, you better believe that I was too, yeah. you know, like I, I completely feel everything that I write, you know, I just feel so sort of connected to the story. If I'm not feeling connected, I don't write, you know, it's as simple as that. Um, so yeah, this one, this one I did find very emotional, you know, mainly because of the fostering storyline um, and a few twists and turns along the way. So writing a book for you must be a, a, even more of a challenge because yes, it, it's all that you put into the book, but it's the emotions as well. You know, it's are you ready? Are you in the right space and place to to start that that journey? Yeah, I mean, it, I just I've always found year after year that September, October, November, those months 
uh, when I'm ready to write. I, there's something about, I find it very hard to write in the summer. I, there's something about the air quality or something that just I can't, I don't get a clear head. You know, my head feels really foggy and I just, I don't feel connected to the stories. But there's something about the autumn months that just, I think after the summer holidays and, you know, kids back to school. And then I just, I'm so ready to just go on an emotional roller coaster myself. You know, like yes. me writing is like watching a little movie inside my head. You know, I feel that my books are probably as easy, they should be as easy to read, I think, as sort of sitting down to just watch, you know, a film on TV. Um, and that's, you know, I feel very engaged with the characters. So hopefully that kind of comes across to my readers. Yes, absolutely. It, that's very interesting. So September is sort of the the trigger time for you as you go into autumn of, right this is this is book time it's a very specific part of the year yeah definitely it just always has been you know ever since Lucy in the Sky when I got my book deal in September of 2006 that was my very first book and I had a full-time job but I remember you know the publicist who I'd spoken to about the idea he was a friend of mine you know he'd become a friend through the process of me working at Heat magazine um, as a reviews editor and um and Nigel you know Nigel Stoneman who he was a you know worked in publicity at Simon and Schuster and I remember him saying you should write a book love you know <laughs> anyway I did get a book deal based on this idea for Lucy in the Sky um and you know he said to me you should write it by Christmas and have it out next next April <laughs> you know, have it out next spring and I suggested this to my editor and she was like well we wouldn't normally work to such tight deadlines but sure let's do this and so I, I ended up writing I only I mean it was crazy it was my first book that I'd written I'd wanted to write my whole life but I'd never managed to write more than sort of a few pages because I just picked it apart so much yeah. um and then suddenly I had this book deal with a full-time job at Heat magazine and <laughs> and three and a half months to write this book and I ended up writing it in two and a half and it, then I fell pregnant and I thought I really want to write this next book before the baby comes the following September and I just couldn't I could not kind of connect to the story in the way that I wanted to even though I had you know much longer to write it in than I'd given myself initially yeah um I ended up writing most of it after my son was born in that autumn stint again, you know, like it was just, you know, baby beside me and just, I'd just type for, you know, as long as he was asleep. <laughs> wow. So just something, and I've just found that ever since I've been like, no, this year I'm going to start earlier and I'll, I'll have it written before the autumn. And it just never works out that way. You know, like I always end up doing most of it, if not all of it. Now I've given up. Now I'm just like, right, I don't even start writing until September because I just know that's my productive time. How interesting. Would would you say on reflection that autumn is your happy time and therefore you can write or is that actually your least happy time and therefore writing is your solace that's a good point I don't think I'm I'm not unhappy at any time of the year generally I'm pretty lucky um but uh, I think spring's my happy happy time you know like I love like spring's my favorite season um mm. I think it's just I think it's that back to school vibe I think yeah. it's because you know the kids go back to school at you know that point and I'm just in the in the mindset of had a lovely break over the summer where usually I will have done some research you know so I feel because I like to travel to the places that I'm writing about you know so if I go there in the summer holidays often with the family usually with the family actually um you know then I'm just so connected to the story because I'm just ready you know like I I just feel I'm inside the character the characters heads and I'm just ready to kind of you know get their words down I've been thinking about it for a long time before I come to write it though you know so it's not a case of wow I just you know write a book start to finish in three months you know it's I'm thinking about it so much. I really just have to get the words out and I have to, you know, formulate a proper story and 
Um, but, you know, I've had been having conversations inside my head for, you know, <laughs> at least a year, if not like in the case of someone I used to know, you know, I've been thinking about that for a good three, four years. So, yeah. So when you come and sit down in September to write it, is really the whole story already there in your mind? And as you say, it's just putting the words down. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it would always, like certainly the big key points, and there are always these key moments that you're driving towards, you know, this big scene, you know, this. there are always several of those moments throughout, which I just can't wait to write. And I always write in sequence. So that kind of keeps me driving towards each of those points. Um, but on the whole, you know, I know the general outline. I don't know a chapter by chapter by any stretch of the imagination. I've just got general sort of ideas that I like to include and it just sort of comes to me as I'm writing and then the stories will go off on a tangent and more characters will be introduced and and it just sort of feels right you know as I'm as I'm writing it just becomes much more evolved as a story. So yeah. the the bones that you have of the plot uh, are those sort of written down in a notebook or are those just in your mind going around and constantly evolving? It's mostly in my mind sometimes I write it down and and I have to do a, an outline for my publisher so there will always be at least a couple of pages but even those can change a little bit. You know, it's like, you know, some net recently I've started to not give away plot twists or things like that to my publisher because, you know, ah. um, you know with someone I used to know, I wanted to keep it really vague because I wanted them to read it as a reader, you know, mm. and my editor after this many years, you know, she trusts me. <laughs> so I can kind of, I don't need to run things by her. You know, I can just sort of let it go. Um, and I learned that since the one we fell in love with, which was book 10, you know, 10 years after writing. And there was a plot twist in that and my editor knew about it. And so it was really hard to gauge if it had worked or not. Um, for anyone who knew about it reading, you know, they were like, well, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what this is working. And it was, wasn't until someone who had helped me with the research and I'd asked her to read it just to check that I had all the, she worked on a cable car in Chamonix. Um, and, you know, and one of my character, you know, she worked up in the mountains in Chamonix and I wanted this, this person to read it through and check I had all my research correct. And she just, she had a, exactly the reaction I wanted from, you know, my readers, you know. And so that was the thing that kind of, and then I gave it to a couple of other friends just to test the waters. And so I was able to sort of go back and say, look, I do think it's working, let's keep it. Um, but after that, I thought, okay, if I've got any big plot twists, I'm not gonna tell anyone. <laughs> And they can just discover it. I'm interested in this plot twist because, I mean, personally, I love a plot twist. I, I love a twist or a reveal. But is there growing pressure? Because, you know, your, your genre is traditionally more um, emotional writing. And is there pressure to always have the twists and the reveals now as part of that? No, and I mean, certainly I don't feel that pressure because if it doesn't feel right to me, I'm never going to force something. It has to kind of either come to you organically and then I'll do it. And I don't do it with every book, you know, and sometimes there are, you know, I hope that they're not completely predictable. You know, I think there's a couple of books that I would consider quite predictable that I've written, which have, funnily enough, some of my favourite ones that I've written, you know, the ones that where it's all really neatly tied up. And, um, and I love writing those books too. But I think, you know, my readers are kind of used to now not having it necessarily always sewn up in the best possible way or the way they might have sort of seen it you know life is bittersweet and I try to write realistically so I you know I think that my readers generally don't necessarily know what's going to happen so a, a plot twist can still surprise them um but equally there might not be one there at all and I don't I definitely don't feel I think it would feel really contrived if I felt like I had to do a plot twist in every book. Mm. If one comes to me and it, and it feels right, 
then I'm delighted because, <laughs> you know, yes. it is nice to kind of like really, you know, surprise people, especially new readers, you know, who really aren't expecting it and aren't sort of looking for it. You know, I think that's just that's just really fun. And then it's also quite exciting for me when the reviews come out and so many people have been caught by it or, you know, um, caught in a good way. You know, it's not it's like I say, I don't mean it to be contrived in any way, but I think it's just an extra level of unpredictability that makes the novel really exciting to read. And, and that's really interesting that there isn't the pressure to do it. But when it's right, it's there. And if it's not needed, then it's it's not there. And, and, and that's there. yeah, that's only how I feel. I mean. I would say out of all, you know, of all of my books, I believe are realistic. You know, I think, you know, I'm not all about, you know, I, I want them to be emotional, sort of impossible love stories, you know, and if it works out that they, the characters should be together, then they are. But, you know, I've written books where it hasn't, I don't think that has been realistic, you know, and I don't think, you know, ultimately life has taken them in a different way. And sometimes that upsets the readers, other times they really get it you know and it's but it but life is bittersweet you know and sometimes it doesn't it's not all sort of packaged up perfectly um so I think that's maybe you know something that is uh, it's certainly not unique to me but it certainly is my you know that's my thing you know it's about sort of writing these kind of impossible love stories that aren't always 100% sort of you know Yes. <laughs> yes and I think that, that's what we want some um, the, the reality and, and not to n know as you start oh well it's going to finish like this so yeah uh, I think and sometimes it does but you know so long as there are sort of it's an enjoyable journey to get to that point because I also love those books you know I love reading a book where I you know just can't wait for them to get together and you know they're going to get together right from the very beginning and certainly you will feel that with some of my books you know there are there are plenty of my books where you you meet the hero and you know you know and then it's just the fun, the fun and the excitement of kind of seeing that chemistry build and, you know, eventually giving you that reward. <laughs> so that's really fun to write. And when you were writing this book, did, even though you'd got the, the bones of the story in your mind and, and you'd written it, it down for sort of briefing notes, did, it, did anything actually then change as you were writing it? I don't think so. No, no. I think with this one, it was, it was very straightforward. I mean, there have only been a couple of books where I've decided to just let the story write itself and I haven't known who she was going to end up with you know mm. those were sort of the more love triangle kind of stories and um like one perfect summer was the first one that that happened and I I had a very clear idea of what was going to happen but as I was writing the book I thought you know one of the characters wasn't as bad as I was expecting him to be you know I wanted it sort of felt initially the initial idea felt quite clear-cut and then as I was writing, I sort of realised actually realistically, this is not as clear cut as, you know, as I initially had thought, you know. Um, and so I just decided in the last 20,000, I thought, I'm just going to see what happens. You know, I'm just going to let, and I found that so liberating. Like I loved to kind of just let the story sort of take me where it was going to go. Um, and I enjoyed that so much that I did the same thing with the next book, 13 Weddings. You know, I just decided in advance. I knew I had a certain possible outcomes um but you know whether or not she ended up this person ended up or or even alone you know like wasn't necessarily going to be with anyone or and then somebody else sort of came in you know which I hadn't sort of envisioned, envisioned this character you know um and he came in and I thought oh I like him you know so I basically let that write itself but the interesting thing about both of those books is that I ended up writing short story sequels <laughs> so even though even though I let, when I let the books write themselves, they're often not resolved enough, you know, like they're not, and, and I end up still thinking about them because there was that other alternative. Sometimes I sort of come back to them, 
you know, like a few years later or even months later in the case of One Perfect Christmas and just they needed more, you know. So um, so I think it's ultimately it's best for my readers <laughs> and for myself if I have a very clear <laughs> idea of, who, of what's going to happen and, and where they're going to end up. <laughs> and I was very interested in that because your books are so character rich. How easy is it for you to sort of say goodbye to those characters when you finish writing or do they still sit on your shoulder sometimes? Completely. You know, like I cannot say I, I find it impossible to let go of my characters. I could tell you certainly my main characters. I could tell you everything about them, you know, um, even now, you know, from going back 15 years wow. and, you know, and they still sometimes pop up in future books you know because for me they're still out there living and I you know sometimes I think I wonder what they're doing now and I've got a rough idea of what a lot of my characters are doing you know um sort of out in the world and you know what might have happened to them and that's why I have this um this newsletter the, the hidden page you know if anyone's interested they can sign up at pagetune.com it's free but um I do sometimes write little short stories and I haven't written one for a while but I've got two which I definitely plan to write like in 2022 so um, you know they're always little mini sequels and often those are the ones that are really fun to write because yeah. you can cross over characters even more because you know that the people who are reading it are already part of this club effectively you know they already are very familiar with the characters um, whereas for new readers it's not supposed to be any spoilers you know it, you know there's like one tiny mention of a character in um in someone I used to know which no one would even think twice about unless they'd read 13 weddings and realize that she lives next door to the character from 13 weddings you know <laughs> oh wonderful I love that that sort of flows through not not so it prohibits you from just picking up any book and enjoying it but that yeah lo loyal loyal readers are rewarded as well that's, yeah that's yeah, nice <laughs> so say you're um in mid-October and you're really through getting through the meat of a book and a new idea for a completely different story pops into your head how do you manage sort of parking that new idea and focusing on the on the book I'd find that quite difficult that, that almost it always happens I always get my idea for the next book while I'm writing the one like that has just happened year after year I mean except for this year I'm feeling ridiculously creative I've got like four or five ideas in my head at the moment for future books you know just yeah. over this summer you know three ideas just came to me as I was driving and just you know yesterday just another idea kind of came to me you know so um you know there I and I did write those down you know I just I thought right you know only because I had a really lovely new notepad and I wanted to put some fill some pages up. I was like, right, I'm gonna write these down, you know. Um, but those ideas will just stay in my head and just germinate. And eventually one of them will push forward and will will be the one. And so there's enough room in my head for lots of ideas at the same time. Obviously, the story that I'm most focused on is the one that I'm writing. Mm. That's the one that feels most alive, the characters feel most real and most well-rounded. The other idea you know often it's it's an idea more so than the characters so they're not kind of interfering too much you know um with what I'm currently writing but no it'll just keep you know and it'll just keep I'll keep thinking of it you know um it's it's quite a natural thing I don't feel like I have to sort of shut it out or anything like that it just it you know well when I, as I the more creative I am the more creative I become I think you know yeah it's just interesting how it how it all evolves are you ever tempted to write a different genre or is this very much way where you will stay see I can't imagine that I'll I, I don't want I'm not tempted to write anything that's not a love story like I love writing love stories you know that's the thing that I'm really passionate about but I also have some ideas for books set in the future or sort of you know like just ah. sort of either dystopian or you know I have a few sort of ideas 
which often kind of come to me um, where it's a slightly different world or, you know, like science is different and things like that, you know, because it just opens up so much more kind of scope for an impossible love story, you know, when you're not like, um, you know, have the bound, the sort of binds of reality, you know, that we have in, in today's society, you know, there's only a limited number of reasons you can keep characters apart. Yeah. But <laughs> when you kind of like open up the future and stuff, it kind of like makes it a little bit more exciting. So at some point I'll probably write those, but um, not anytime, not anytime soon. I, I often, when I finished a book, I think, right, now I'm going to write that one. <laughs> and I'll start it, but then editing gets in the way and, you know, you do the various rounds and then we're into publicity and I've, you know, got my head too much in the, in the book that I've just written. So, and then it's summer holidays and I'm yes. just mum. So. <laughs> and then it starts again, it's September. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, I sort of never really find that I've got enough time to write anything else other than what I'm writing, you know, for work effectively. Yeah. <laughs> you know, deadline. I'm interested in the book covers and the narrators of, of the audiobooks. How much involvement do you have in those processes? Um, well, usually, I mean, on the whole, the covers are, you know, I might sort of discuss a little bit in advance, you know, what might be in there. I might sort of suggest some colours and stuff. Then I will get a cover. Often it's nothing to do with anything that I've suggested. <laughs> and then it might, you know, either I'll love it or, you know, there might be a few tweaks that I can suggest. And, um, you know, there have been a couple of occasions where I haven't really liked it at all. And we've, you know, sort of looked at other other options. Um, so yeah I've been involved but you know like usually on the whole it's tweaks and things you know um, and what was your other question the covers about and... the narrator of the oh the narrator so yeah they will always they'll always send me a voice they'll always send me you know a clip of who they're thinking would be a good voice and it's only been one time that I thought that does not match the voice at all you know and and asked to see like asked to hear somebody else um, but on the whole, I mean, Heather Long, who who narrates someone I used to know, I haven't listened to it, actually, because I, I mean, I, I'd like to listen to it, but I just haven't had time yet. But um, normally I wouldn't like to listen to my books being read because it might have a different intonation to how I would have said it. And, you know, I find it quite hard to hear someone else reading it. Um, but in the case of someone I used to know, I really do want to read it because I've heard so many good things about her narration and the accents that she puts on, you know, even sort of distinguishing between two different types of North Yorkshire accent, you know, for different characters. Um, and yeah, so I'd, I'd love to read her, but it, that was an interesting story. She, I emailed her a few months ago just to say, you know, thank you so much. So many readers have commented on what a fantastic, you know, narrator you are. Um, and she wrote back and said, oh, here's a funny story for you. She said in, in January 2020, she'd gone for a walk with her friends around Brim and Rocks. And right on the very outskirts of the rocks, she found a heart, a love heart shaped hole in one of these rocks. And I found that same heart and I wrote about it. And she and her friends stood around the heart. It was filled with water at the time. So it was a proper heart shape and took a photograph of it. And I posted it on my Instagram, you know, this, but then she read about it in my book, you know, which was just yes. like, it wasn't, you know, I mean, Brim and Rocks is a big area anyway, but there's the, the bit where most of the tourists are. And then there's right on the very outskirts where you only kind of go if you're really sort of trying to escape everyone. And even then to find the exact same hole in the rock that I found and wrote about. Yeah. So that was really just lovely. Nice. Wow. That's amazing. That's just sort of an endorsement really of, uh, yeah. yeah, right person, right time. Are you ever tempted to narrate the book yourself? Oh, I did do for Lucy in the Sky. I did like a the um, edited version. Ah, <laughs> oh, right, yes. 
yeah um it was the edited version it was funny I was only talking to my parents about that yesterday um, because they my brother hasn't read any of my books but they did listen to me narrating Lucy in the Sky it was weird because it's only like a quarter of the book you know so so much is edited out you know I, I found quite hard you know knowing how much was lost you know um but I had to put on so many different accents, you know, and my brother was just, he just was like, that is not Paige, you know, he was just, oh. he not, he was like, that's Jude Law, it sounds like Jude Law. <laughs> <laughs> my mum and dad were just reminding me yesterday, you know, how funny it was, but yeah, no, I, I, that was, it was quite fun, but I had, I think um, I was very heavily pregnant at the time, and I had a, a, a sort of a two and a half year old little boy who, had never really been away from me and my mum just was trying to sort of entertain him for the day and I had a chest infection as well and then so we had to postpone it a month and even when I did the reading I could still hear you know the sort of my voice my mm. chest is a little bit you know I'm a little bit wobbly <laughs> so oh, gosh. I sort of never offered to do it again but <laughs> instead I've done the uned- I've done the sort of unedited ones you know like the full length books which is much nicer yeah (laughs) oh my goodness if if you could go back to yourself as you're sitting and writing that first book with the time pressure and while while you were still working is there anything that you would sort of whisper in your ear that you've learned along the way um I don't think so because with Lucy in the Sky I mean I think my writing has got better absolutely you know like I do think I think someone I used to know is probably the best book I've written um and I look back at Lucy in the Sky my earlier work is it's still got emotional, it's still got emotional depth, but not anywhere near as much emotional depth, you know, that's still they're much more chiclet, you know, and I think now they've kind of become more sort of emotional, sort of, you know, heart-wrenching kind of um, love stories. Um, but I just absolutely loved writing every second of that book, you know, my dream of becoming an author had come true after thinking about it since I was a small girl. And I was just, I, I fell in love with this character that I was writing about and I just loved being inside Lucy's head so much. And once I'd finished it, that was when all the panic set in. Oh my God, it's rubbish. Everyone's going to read this, you know, that I work with. It's so embarrassing. You know, my family going to read this, you know, I just couldn't bear it. Um, and I remember Marion Keys read and quoted on it, you know, which was just absolutely incredible. Yeah. So to get that moment when I sort of realised, so, oh my God, you know, Marion Keys is reading it. Oh, it's terrible. You know, what she's, what's she going to think, you know? And then she sent me this lovely, lovely quote. And when the book came out and seeing all of the reviews from readers, readers saying, I fell in love with Nathan as they were reading it. And I just thought they felt, they feel the same way reading this book as I felt as I was writing it. And I remember going through the same sort of shakiness when I wrote my second book, Johnny Be Good. And, um, and then sort of just reminding myself, look, you know, if they feel the way that you feel again, then they're going to love it. So, you know, and since then, I've just, I, I just, I have to write what I love and mm. hope that, you know, readers will come along on, on the journey with me. And it's funny, you know, cause I always sort of worry slightly that, people who start with my later works will then go back and read my earlier works and just think they're rubbish, you know, kind of in comparison. But a lot of the time they don't, they just still, they feel like a lighter read or whatever, you yeah. know, and, and it's just, you know, I think it's nice if you can start from the very beginning and work all your way through, cause you'll see the progression, you know, generally, but, um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we all love to get an author who we trust um and we enjoy reading their work and that isn't part of a series so you you're not having to go back to the very beginning you can just find another one of your books and pick it up and just immerse yourself in in the world Uh, I suppose that my final question has to be we're sitting here talking in September 
So presumably when I say what's next, you you know you're in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, not quite in the middle. <laughs> um, nowhere near the middle yet. Um, I've actually given myself longer for this one. Um, I've decided that basically ever since Lucy in the Sky, when I used to write the book in the autumn and have it out the following spring, I didn't sort of realise at the time how much I was putting myself at a disadvantage by having such a short turnaround. Um, I've never had a book deal in America, for example. America liked to have a finished book at least a year in advance of the publication. Um, and, you know, and it also sort of has a knock-on effect for sort of foreign rights and translation. And also just generally, I think your publisher having a bit more time to do beautiful proofs and, you know, and sort of build some buzz. So I've never had that. You know, it's been 15 years. Mm. And um, and so I actually decided this year, this summer, that I, although I'm writing a book now, it won't come out next year. I'm going to give, you know, my readers will have to have a break and then it will come out in spring of, um, you know, of 2023. Mm. So, and after I made that decision, I actually decided to change publishers. Like I am moving to, I've, I've just got a book deal with Penguin Random House, um, Cornerstone. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, so I've now got a new publisher and yeah, big fresh start, you know, kind of kicking off 2023, um, you know, with the latest book. So I've got, a, I've given myself a little bit longer to write it. I've just sort of said to them, you know, end of January, and then I can have like a break over Christmas and come back to it with fresh eyes. I think that'd be really beneficial, you know, not to feel the pressure of, oh no, I can't stop writing at Christmas, but to actually take a two week break and then come back to it and write, write for the last month, you know, to, to get it as good as it can be. And I appreciate we don't want to give anything away, but with the, with the change that the longer time, the, the publishers, it, is the book any different? Can you? I don't, I don't want it to be. No. Like I, I, you know, I think ultimately, you know, I, I obviously I'll try and, you know, I hope it's my best book. Um, you know, I think the idea is strong. There is a twist. <laughs> um, you know, there's, a, but it's ultimately an impossible love story. And that was something that I really didn't want to do when I went, I, I wanted to, um, you know, I know a lot of it sometimes, you know, the way that you can take your career to the next level is by having a change of direction or, mm. you know, change of name or, you know, something like that. I really didn't want that because I have got such such a passionate readership you know and they review my books really highly and so I don't want to change any of that and it was more about you know when I spoke to publishers and decided to to have a fresh sort of look at my publishing strategy you know I wanted to be judged on the books that I'd written so I basically said if you could read someone I used to know and just understand that this is and look at my reviews you know they're um, they're all sort of highly rated you know just know that I will continue to live, deliver year after year um but this is a sort of book that I'm writing these days, you know, so you can kind of trust that this is the sort of book that I would deliver. And this, you know, this amazing, incredible team, you know, like absolutely came on board and, and are just really excited to, you know, to sort of get work, get started, started working. So, um, so yeah, I'm just going to carry on doing what I do best, try very hard not to think about it being a new editor or a new publisher mm -hmm. or anything like that. And, um, and just write, you know, make sure I'm as connected to the story as I've always been and just really enjoy the writing process. So it's lovely for me to have a little bit of extra time, um, which normally there's no way I could have that extra time when we publish so close, you know. Yeah. Um, but because I've got, you know, over a year, once I deliver, it'll be over a year before it comes out, you know, it just gives me a little bit more writing time and still getting to stick to my autumn schedule. <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as readers enjoy reading your books and you enjoy writing them, then, then that, that's perfect. So yeah, page two, author of Someone I Used to Know. Thank you so much for joining me today.
Thank you. Thanks for having me. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, that was very interesting, wasn't it? Thank you so much, Paige, for coming on. So that's Paige Toon, author of Someone I Used to Know. So now we better get stuck into the other books, hadn't we? So the next one I'm going to tell you about is S.V. Leonard's, um, Leonard Leonard's, oh, this is terrible, I'm mortified, The Islanders. In fact, I'm going, to, I'm going to stop this and I'm going to find out how to pronounce this poor, poor person's name. Leonard. I have it on good authority, S.V. Leonard, Sarah Leonard. Um, I heard about this book and immediately had to get it. So this is The Islanders, um, The Chance of a Lifetime, A Deadly Competition. I'll read you the blurb and um, basically, basically it's sort of Love Island combined with um, a thriller, a murder mystery. So Love Island combined with, I don't know, Agatha Christie or something. Here we, here we go. Her dream escape is about to become a nightmare. Kimberly King has spent five years running from the reason she left the police force. She's desperate for a fresh start, so can't say no when she's selected for the hit dating television show Love Wrecked. If she wins the cash prize, she can finally move on. But the Love Wrecked Island isn't the paradise she was promised. Within hours, one of the contestants is dead. Then the announcement comes. One of the islanders is a murderer and Kimberly must work out who. For every hour it takes her, one more person will die. The game is rigged. Everyone is hiding secrets. And time is running out. Now, if I read you from the prologue, it's actually a newspaper article. So, I th well, I'll read you the headline. Love wrecked to be axed from air after the horrific events that took place on their show. 
Um, but let me read you the first sentence from chapter one. This is, uh, this is from Kimberly's point of view. I wipe a bead of sweat from my forehead and let out a moan of frustration. Um, I enjoyed this book. It was an easy, simple read in some respects. Um, I thought it had the pace, it had the interesting characters. I could just see it happening, not happening in real life, but you know, I could visualise it very easily. I liked the twists and turns. I liked how, well, I just liked how it was all managed and yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Look, this isn't the the thriller of the year. This isn't um, something that you say you can absolutely believe, but it's a good, fun read. And sometimes you want something like that as a break from the real grit. And there is grit still in this, but because it's sort of based in this Love Island way, um, I don't know, it just makes it more palatable, which is a very worrying thing for me to say. But I enjoyed it. I'm really glad I read it. I'd certainly be looking for more from this author. I thought the concept was really good. Why there haven't been millions of books written like this, I don't know. She's just really chosen um, a great concept and delivered it well. So, yeah, The Islanders, worth a read. The next one, oh, my goodness, this is a book... If, if you don't run out and acquire this book immediately, well, it's captivated me. This book is called The Image of Her by Sonia Felton. I had not heard of this book. I don't know why. It's, I just, well, I just loved it. Maybe, you know, sometimes it's a case of right time, right place for a book. But for me, this was right time, right place, right book. Here's the blurb. Stella and Connie are strangers brought together by two traumatic events, cruel twists of fate that happen thousands of miles apart. Stella lives with her narcissistic mother. where she, When she succumbs to dementia, the pressures on Stella's claustrophobic world culminate in tragedy. As Stella recovers from a near-fatal accident, she feels compelled to share her trauma. In her head, she confides in, Con in Connie because there's no human being to whom she feels closer. Connie is an expat living in Dubai with her family. On the face of it, she wants for nothing. And yet, something about her life in this glittering world does not sit well with her. And she struggles to find meaning in a life of playdates and pedicures. Two women set on an inevitable course towards each other. When their lives finally collide, it won't be in a way that anyone could have foreseen. Now, let's get the first sentence. Well, this is a difficult... OK, the first sentence is from Stella's point of view. Your name is Connie James. Um, and then I'll read you the next sentence because it's very short. I know this from the letter in front of me. In fact, I'm going to read you another one. <laughs> I can't stop reading this book. The knowledge of you was folded neatly into a plain white envelope and addressed to me in a measured, precise hand. This book is not a, a page-turner thriller, oh my goodness, twists and turns, revelations. Sorry, I've got to move my headphones, wait for the noise, there we go. Yeah, it's not that sort of a book. In, in many ways, it is a gentle, emotional book. But then also there is, there is this story and there are bigger things happening and you learn so much from this book. It, I don't know what it was about this book, but I couldn't put it down. I, you know, when you get in that, st that 
place where you're actually arriving early. <laughs> you're actually arriving early for things. And so you've got time to sit in the car and read some of your book. It's that sort of book. I just wanted to know more. I wanted to find out what happens in the end. And, and I felt as I was reading it that it wasn't going to be a big ta-da. And I don't think it was. But that is right for this book. I just really enjoyed it. And Sonia Velton is an author I am following from this day forward. Um, I think, well, I, I know I'm going on about it, but it's, just, it's an extraordinary book. It's moving. If you're just looking for your typical crime thriller, you, this isn't for you. But if you like different genres and it's nice to see something, a bit of a collaboration of different genres and fresh, fresh writing, fresh stories. I know I moaned a lot recently about how I was getting a bit fed up with some not stories being repeated, but just genres being overdone. This this knocks that away. This is extraordinary. Loved it. Image of her, Sonia Velton. Love, love, loved it. I think I think I've given you the joyful gist of of how I was feeling about this one. Now the next one is a graphic novel. Um, I'm not reviewing as many of those now because I don't know how many of you are reading graphic novels but I do find if I'm finding it hard to read and get into things a graphic novel is just just helps me because it occupies more of my brain because I'm looking at the pictures and reading the words it just it does pull me in quicker than if I'm trying to read a book and getting nowhere and I love this book so much um yeah, This One Summer by Gillian Tamaki and Mariko Tamaki. It uh, it was sold to me as just, you know, a celebration of um, a childhood summer. Let, let's read the blurb. Rose and her parents have been going to Awago Beach since she was a little girl. It's her summer getaway, her refuge. Her friend Windy is always there too, like the little sister she never had, completing her summer family. But this summer is different. Rose's mum and dad won't stop fighting and Rose and Windy have gotten tangled up in a tragedy in the making in the small town of Owego Beach. It's a summer of secrets and heartache and it's a good thing Rose and Windy have each other. Um, actually, the authors are cousins, which is, which is lovely. I haven't he heard of that before. I thought the pictures were lovely, black and white drawings. Um, it's gentle in many ways, this story, but it's just... It, it does make you yearn for just being able to go away every summer and just having that time to just explore and sort of, you know, the the friendships in childhood, the pools, the the looking into things and trying to work out if there's mysteries to be seen, the impact of problems with parents and how that can impact on you. It's just, it's something you read very quickly. It's not going to change the world, but it's just lovely. Um, so I really enjoyed that one. And I am pushing through this quite quickly. I apologise, but um, somebody did say, well, they prefer the shorter podcast. Who knows? We'll see what happens with this one. But so there's one more book to talk to you about. And that, of course, as I mentioned, is The Night She Disappeared by Lisa Jewell. Um, so I'm actually going to read the first sentence and then I'm going to give you the blurb, if that's OK. Um, and I'm actually going to do the first three sentences because again that's my prerogative. The baby is starting to grumble. Kim sits still in her chair and holds her breath. It's taken her all night to get him to sleep. Um, I actually listened to this as an audio book and I've just finished listening to it today um, so not that long ago at all. Here is the blurb. Mum, there's some people here from college. 
They asked me back to theirs just for an hour or so. Is that okay? Midsummer 2017. Teenage mum Tallulah heads out on a date, leaving her baby son at home with her mother Kim. At 11pm, she sends her mum a text message. At 4.30am, Kim awakens to discover that Tallulah has not come home. Friends tell her that Tallulah was last seen heading to a pool party at a house in the woods nearby called Dark Place. Tallulah never returns. 2018. Walking in the woods behind the boarding school where her boyfriend has just started as a head teacher, Sophie sees a sign nailed to a fence. A sign that says, dig here. Um, now, I had seen that this book was coming up and I didn't rush out to get it. I thought, well, I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not sure. And then when I was hearing someone else read the blurb about this um, teenage mum going missing, that didn't pull me in. The minute I heard this second part about this um, person called Sophie, whose boyfriend had just started working at this school, and she's in the woods and she sees this sign saying, dig here, I was in. I immediately had to listen to it. Fortunately, I had enough credits on my Audible. So I thought this is the way to get to listen to it as quickly as I can. Um, the narrator was really good as well. And I enjoyed it. Now, as I was reading it, and I think I put something on Instagram about this is what I'm currently listening to. I started to get a couple of people saying, oh, I didn't enjoy it as much. And maybe that helped me. Maybe that helped prepare me because this is a book that I enjoyed all the way through. But the ending was a bit like mm, really stretching the belief a little bit. But then actually at the very end, I thought, no, it worked for me. Um, I thought it was well written, well paced. I enjoyed it. It made me commit once more to Lisa Jewell as an author. Um, I thought it was I thought it was really good. Maybe listening to it as an audiobook allows uh, it to be portrayed in a different way from reading the book. I don't know, but I thought it was really good. Yes, the ending, as I say, stretched my belief a little bit but nothing like that book behind her eyes which oh still infuriates me to this day the ending of that um yes I didn't like that one anyway yes let's stay on the subject Philippa um so I thought this one was really good I commend it especially as an audiobook because that's what I listened to and that's what I enjoyed just go into it and enjoy the story. Let's face it, it's one that kept me running this week. And so often when I'm listening to an audiobook, I stop on my run and then I'll go and look on Instagram and then I'll, find I'll have walked some of the way. This book kept me running while moving forward. And that says a lot. So it did really keep me riveted in the story, wanting to hear it. And maybe because I'd already heard that some people hadn't enjoyed it as much maybe that's why I, I enjoyed it more I don't know listen to it read it enjoy it see what you think it's a definite thumbs up from me so that that's your lot those are your books so we've had um The Night She Disappeared by Lisa Jewell I listened to that as an audiobook this one summer a graphic novel uh, sort of YA um, by Gillian Tamaki and Mariko Tamaki. Then we've had The Islanders by S.V. Leonard. Then we've had The Image of Her, <sighs> lovely, by Sonia Velton. And then we had Someone I Used to Know by Paige Toon. Now again, 
we've got a very different author next week. Uh, can't wait to tell you all about it. Some really good books to talk to you about and just lots to catch up on. So look after yourselves. Please look after yourselves and I'll see you very soon. Take care now. You've been Bye-bye. listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.